0: on fuzzy logic we're getting deep and going into your consciousness that's right we're philosophizing science trying to work out what's going on in our body to keep us alive aware of what's going on so don't pass out tune in to fuzzy logic (laughs) The <laughs> Canberra, and welcome to Fuzzy Logic, your science on a Sunday. It's a pleasure to have you with us this morning as we move into our exciting hour of science. Thanks very much to uh, Pat and Irish Voice for the show before and some uh, beautiful music as usual, but today we are going to delve into the world of science as we usually do at this time on a Sunday. Uh, My name is Broderick, and it's a pleasure to have you with us, and joining me in the studio this morning, as usual, is Phoebe. Good morning, Hello, hello,
1: everybody. Good morning, (laughs) etc.
0: Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Yes, yeah. very nice. And making her Fuzzy Logic debut this morning is Elise. Good morning, Elise.
2: Good morning. How are you going? Very good. How are you?
0: I'm well, thank you. It's a pleasure to have you in here, um, and uh, we're very excited today because today we're going to talk about something called consciousness,
1: and something called consciousness. Something there called is consciousness. so much in this thing; it's completely daunting and overwhelming. Goodness me! And I've already, destu- I've already decided that we should start this show with the fact that I will need a safety word. <laughs> I will need a safety word because this is going to get, it could get quite deep, quite philosophical, like you said, and uh, people like me will need you to explain it in, what is it, layman's terms? So I've decided the safety word will be goldfish.
0: Goldfish. Gold, mostly Fish because talent. I can see
1: one over there, right. and that's all I could think of. Right, yes,
0: out in the XX reception. <laughs> to be fair, I
1: feel like when people think safety words, they always think banana. and I, I pineapple. Pineapple pineapple that's Interesting. where i was gonna
0: go but goldfish is a good yeah, one yeah i wanted to mix uh, it up so I, I think that sounds very fair because look on fuzzy logic we are about the science we're about science for everybody and uh, we don't want to spend all the day philosophizing mm. about what consciousness is um i like we- that science for everybody, for everybody. everybody. Yeah.
1: <laughs> in the club <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's right and uh, so look i thought Maybe starting with consciousness, it might be good to sort of define what consciousness is. What does it mean? Good luck. Uh, well, I, I being, uh, I, I like words, um, and so is I that thought, why
1: you're on the, radio? <laughs> <that's> <laughs> I'm on the
0: radio? I like using my words, um, and so I thought I'd we'd look at the origin of the word consciousness. Mm. It comes from the Latin "conscius," "con" meaning together, and co meaning to know. Oh. So it's it's to know together, and and previously in in the original Latin form, conscious actually meant being aware of other people. You know, knowing together, having thinking about other people, being aware of them, and that sort of thing. And then it slowly um, moved into our definition that we know now, which. Um, Well, I mean, it could be defined in lots of different ways. Uh, It's the state of being aware and responsive to your surroundings, what's around you. Um, It's your awareness or perception of something. Would you guys add anything different to that?
1: From what I've seen, it can encompass a lot of different stuff. So there's uh, like self-consciousness, your conscience in terms of right and wrong and that Mm. sort of stuff as well. I mean,
2: But what do you mean by self-consciousness? Does that mean you're self-aware? Does that define you being conscious, having some sort of awareness of yourself?
1: Well, I guess usually people would use that term as in, oh, "I'm feeling self-conscious today. This top doesn't match my pants." That sort of thing.
0: <laughs> That's right. I, I feel like that term, in, in whether it's the right definition or not, has come to mean you know being mm. embarrassed and aware well, aware of yourself. I guess. Do the necessarily... Latin
1: origins of the word talk anything about outfit?
0: No, being concerned no, I about your outfit. Find about the. Uh,
1: well, no wonder it's a dead language. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's right. But I mean, yeah, you know, one of the earliest uh, definitions of, of consciousness was the old uh, "Cogito ergo sum" from uh, Rene Descartes: "I think, therefore I am." Ah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, and so, I just
1: thought that sounded like a really nice, like, dish of food. Say <laughs> it again:
0: "Cogito ergo sum." Mm, yes, that sounds good. Yes. <laughs>
1: <That's> <laughs>
0: Yes, I'll have some dim sum and some Kogito Ergo sum. Um, Are <laughs> my dumplings self so aware? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Oh, dear. Um, Goldfish. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Definitely
2: time for goldfish.
0: (laughs) So, René Descartes um, first spouted that idea, and, and, you know, that was talking about the mere act of thinking of one's existence, proves that there is someone to do the thinking, proves that you're conscious and aware, which is an interesting way to look at it. Um, But I, I think it can go deeper than that. You know, it's not just thinking about yourself that makes you conscious.
2: No, that's right. I mean the very fact of being awake surely makes you conscious. Because if it was only about being self-aware or thinking about your outfit choices, then surely being conscious would only apply to humans. But it obviously could apply to animals as well. Animals that wear pants. Maybe, or (laughs) even animals that don't wear pants.
0: Mm. (laughs) Well, that's right. A lot of them don't. Donald Duck and Winnie the Pooh don't.
2: They wear shirts, though. Where's the line?
0: (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, you're right with the animals, aren't you? There's that great test you're telling me about, Elise, uh, to work out whether animals are are, are aware of themselves.
2: Yeah, so back in the 70s, psychologists uh, made this test called the mirror test to basically see um, if people, uh, or any animal in general, were had a sense of self-awareness. So being able to recognize themselves or distinguish themselves from the rest of their species or population. So what this test involves is putting a mirror in front of yourself and you should be able to recognize if it's you or not. So they'll put a a dot of some sort of color on your skin or your fur, if you're a dog or something. And if you're aware of yourself, you'll know that that dot is not supposed to be on you and you'll try to remove it. Therefore, you have some sort of self-awareness or self-consciousness. But they've actually found that this doesn't just apply to humans, but other species like gorillas, um, elephants, you were saying before, Phoebe, mm. um, dolphins, and especially killer whales all have this really um, strong sense of themselves.
0: That's right. They'll try and remove the dot from themselves rather than touching the mirror. I'm sorry, to how what's going is a dolphin
2: going to do that? That's
1: a good question. <laughs> <I'm not laughs> Maybe. Does, it, does it try to press up against the mirror and sort of rub it off?
0: How? I, I'm not sure how a dolphin does it. I haven't seen the experiment run with dolphins. Yeah,
2: surely there are variations of it. Mm. For other animals,
0: yeah. well, one of the interesting ones is doing it with younger children, and you can go back you know to to babies even and and identifying that point where it changes over from the baby interacting with the baby in the mirror to the baby realizing that it 's itself in the mirror and playing around with itself and um, recognizing the dot on its own head from there so it 's really interesting to see that uh, when we're our brain is developing at that stage, we're not necessarily born with our own self-consciousness, our own awareness of, of what we are and what's going on, but we, we develop that over time.
1: So I guess that would be... 'Cause I was thinking about it and you know, you know, you see those <laughs> hilarious cat videos on the internet where cats are sort of seeing themselves in a mirror and they're sort of arcing up thinking it's another cat and that sort of thing. And I guess that's what the line is, because it thinks it's another cat, it doesn't recognise it as itself.
2: Yeah, so does that but does that mean if animals that don't have this sense of self or don't recognize themselves, does that mean that they also don't have consciousness? Yeah. Maybe they just don't have vanity. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, it's an interesting point because, I mean, the other way you can define consciousness is, of course, uh, just being uh, simply awake. And when we talk about going unconscious, that's when we we faint or get knocked out or something like that. I mean, and even looking at that is a a really interesting um, process just to see why our body's um, losing consciousness there and what's going on. Um, Have either of you two ever fainted?
2: I don't know, actually. I haven't fainted, but I've been under anaesthetic, general anaesthetic. Okay,
0: how did that feel?
2: Oh, it was really, really weird. So, and it happened all quickly. Yeah. So, when I was lying on the operating table, the um, the doctor gives you an injection and. I don't know how long it was, but all I know is right before I blacked out, I just had this elated, sort of euphoric feeling. It was really weird. I almost (laughs) felt like I was floating right up to the top of the room. Don't remember anything after that. And then I woke up, I don't know how many hours later, and for some reason I was uncontrollably crying. And a lot of people, well, a lot of nurses um, know that this is a pretty common response to anesthesia because it messes with the um, emotional part or the limbic system in your brain. So a lot of the anesthetic is working on lots of different general regions on the brain. But in particular, the um, emotional part becomes really affected. And that's why a lot of people, not just myself, start Mm. crying For no particular reason, when you're coming out of the anaesthetic. Wow, so do you think, okay,
1: so you went under anaesthesia feeling happy and you came out feeling sad?
2: Yes, it was really, really strange.
1: Do you think it would be worse if you went under feeling sad and woke up feeling happy? I mean, I guess it would be scary if you were going under and sort of like, oh
2: my god, ah, black. I would, yeah, I'd rather go under feeling, I think, happy rather than sad. Mm. But then again, it was quite weird to wake up with uncontrollable tears just rolling out of your eyes.
1: I don't know, imagine being a nurse and you walk across, and somebody's just come out of major surgery and they're just like cackling their heads off. <laughs> I'm alive! That would You'd be question freaky. your job, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's right. They must be used to strange people like that. So. Surely.
1: <laughs> and people sort of admitting things under under the influence of, you know, anesthesia or whatever. And... Well,
0: that's right. Last week, or uh, well, not last week, a couple of weeks ago when we were on with Liam, he was talking about the fact that uh, when he was administering painkillers to, to a young boy, after being all tough and pretending he wasn't in pain, he finally admitted he wanted painkillers. And then as he got dozy, he just started going... <laughs> Getting all teary. Like, and saying, I love my mum. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. It's beautiful. <laughs> beautiful stuff. But yeah, I, mean, I suppose that loss of consciousness with anesthesia is uh, a bit more planned for, a bit more what's going on. Whereas when you're and controlled f- as and well, controlled, I think. Yes, definitely controlled. Um, whereas when you faint or get knocked out, it's completely... Completely spontaneous, almost. You've uh,
1: fainted, haven't you?
0: I haven't fainted, <gasps> oh. no. My little brother once fainted uh, in front of me. We were lining up for some food at the cricket. Um, and I just thought he was being, uh, uh annoying, <laughs> just, you know, cause he just kind of fell backwards. And then suddenly I realized he'd, he'd fainted in front of me. Um, oh, wow. was, why did he faint? We'd never worked it out to be oh, honest. Good. Um, it was just a one-off event, um, took him to the St. John's, uh, volunteers and they, they gave him some water, sat him down for a bit, took his vital signs and, um, and he was all right. And maybe he, could... he
1: swooned at the thought of getting hot. Chips.
0: Maybe <laughs> maybe that's it. <laughs> I don't <will> blame him. <laughs> we weren't lined up for a while. But the one thing I have done is knocked myself out. How um, you... What? <laughs> yeah. How did
2: you manage this?
0: So this was um, I was away with my family in China, um, and we were visiting uh, the Summer Palace uh, over there. I think it was in Beijing. Um, I can't remember which which town, but um we'd. Uh, gone there and it was winter so the lake was frozen over there and there are a few people sliding on this really smooth part of the lake on their shoes and uh, my little brother was doing it my dad was doing it and I'm there going no I'm not going to do it I'm going to fall over I'll make a fool of myself I'm not going to do it and eventually I work myself up no I'm going to do it I'm going to do it and literally the first one I do (laughs) I slip over and land on my head
1: do you know, oh, I bet goodness. your brother tells this story and is like, oh, man, he slipped her over and I just thought he was being annoying. but <laughs> he'd knocked himself out.
0: <laughs> Typical yeah, brother. Potentially. <laughs> well, the, the, the strangest thing I find about that is um, I can remember being on the lake. I can remember psyching myself up to slide. I can't remember starting to slide, and I can't remember coming off the lake. I, I have no memory from the point just before I knocked myself out to the point to about two or three minutes afterwards. But you wouldn't have
1: been blacked out for those two, three minutes, because that's a long time. So how long yeah. were you out? No, no,
0: that's right. I, I don't think I was out for very long. Mm. Um, but uh, but I just... Um, the, the next memory I have is walking off the side of the lake with my dad and my mum on either side of me, and then I remember mum shouting at dad for letting me do Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's interesting that... Um, you know, uh, getting knocked out and, and completely losing that memory because, yeah, I was, I was awake during that period um, but have no memory of it. And in fact, the, um, the strangest thing was for um, quite a while afterwards, I couldn't tell anyone how we got to the lake that day. Um, so oh, I just wow. lost see that it Really morning. took a
2: pretty big hit. Yeah, big it, chunk of amnesia almost. That's yeah. right.
0: Slowly it came back to me. Eventually I remembered that we got a, a, a train and a taxi and 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 that side of things. But yeah, it so it wasn't a one of those there. like
1: cool amnesias that you see on sit oh uh, you know on romance soaps
0: and that. But it's like, <laughs> it was a lame oh one. oh my
1: gosh, I don't remember that you're my wife.
0: Yeah, ah. no, no. I remembered my mum and my dad. And oh, my well, that was lucky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it would have been you weren't getting pulled away, going
1: I'm being abducted. I think <laughs> maybe. <laughs>
0: ah! Yeah, so that's right. But I mean, it's interesting because you know those um, knockouts uh, are caused um, in a really interesting way because it's—I mean, it's basically your brain going, "I can't take this," uh, and you know, and just just um, blacking out and taking taking it away
2: like its own little protective mechanism.
0: That's right. Mm. That's right. Because. Um, You know, your brain's uh, sitting inside your head and it's got uh, the protective fluid around it. Um, And uh, if you know Homer Simpson well, uh, you'll know that he has two layers of fluid, I believe, around his (laughs) brain, which is why he's such a good boxer uh, because he doesn't get knocked out.
1: Mm. Not Um, so much a good boxer as good at getting hit a lot. Good at getting... Right,
0: (laughs) yes. (laughs) That's right. Um, So, yeah, so that's... um, Around your brain. Um, But uh, when we receive a a blow to our brain, um, it changes uh, what's happening in our head. Um, Which is understandable. I yeah. think yeah that's right, that's totally right, um, and so one of the the big things that it's uh, trying to balance are the electrolytes inside our head, um, so you know our body contains dissolved uh, sodium, potassium, calcium, which are responsible for conducting uh, impulses along neurons, um, but when uh, someone receives a blow to the head. Um, to a nerve, potassium leaves the cell and calcium rushes in, which destabilizes that whole electrolyte balance. And you know, while the brain does as much as it can to try and keep it in balance, uh, with each blow that's happening, that balance becomes harder and harder to maintain, has to spend more and more energy in that process. And then eventually when it reaches that point where the damage outweighs the body's ability to repair itself, the brain just shuts down. Wow. So
2: basically all of those little neurons lose their ability to keep sending signals.
0: Yeah, Yeah, and I mean that's just amazing. It
2: gets to a point where it's like, you know what? I'm I'm done. Yeah, Yeah, we're done.
1: Uh (laughs) Give me a sec.
0: And and so that's right. So you black yourself out. So after the um the brain injury, the heart has to supply enough blood flow for the brain to repair itself. And then if demand outweighs the supply, then the brain continues to shut down.
1: Wow. Uh, So, wait, is that the same if you faint and get knocked out? Are they the same processes?
0: No, no, fainting's quite different. Faint is a a really temporary loss of consciousness. happens for a huge range of reasons. Like, I I was quite surprised at the number of reasons um, that you can... And there's there's different reasons, too. So there's um, neurocardiogenic uh, syncope, which is the um, medical term for fainting, um, and that's uh, around heart rate... Um, and and your head so things like suddenly seeing something that's unpleasant or shocking being exposed to a frightening experience becoming suddenly emotionally upset extremely embarrassing standing still for long periods or being in a hot and stuffy place for a long time oh
1: my gosh that totally happened in Survivor yeah (laughs) the latest season they were doing a challenge where they had to hold these really tall sticks and they had to balance something on the top of it and this guy was holding it looking up they were there for an hour and a half and then he just fainted yeah
0: because yeah, okay. clearly
1: his body was... It had had enough. He wanted to rush some blood to the brain, I, I guess. That's
0: right, you know, and, and he was concentrating really hard on that. Um, he
1: lost the challenge, by the way, yeah, and, then can, got, and then got eliminated. How cruel is that?
0: Yeah. But, I mean, basically all that's happening there is the brain's blood oxygen supply is, is temporarily interrupted, um, and so to, to stop it getting any worse, to stop it going further, it faints to try and reset your body so you start breathing again uh, or getting more oxygen into your brain, making that happen. Um, But, yeah, the interesting thing is there's so many other ways you can faint. Um, There's occupational syncope, um, which is um, due to physical actions rather than emotional or mental actions like I was talking about before things like coughing lifting a heavy weight sneezing urinating defecating they can cause you to faint pretty much everything <laughs> yeah yeah that's right um, then you've got what the- if you were doing it all at once <laughs> that's a, well that's I mean, it's obviously obviously not every time but it can happen
1: <laughs> i don't think we would have gone forward as a race very well no. 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 if
0: no
1: like those goats you know those goats if you Surprise and they just they ask. Fain, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. But that's, I mean, that's a shock to the system. They're fainting to, to protect themselves.
1: And for uh, hilarity purposes, yes, I can right. only assume.
0: Yeah. And then, of course, you get into more uh, um, serious things like dehydration, some medications, uh, untreated diabetes, uh, heart arrhythmia or hypertension. Um, they're all different causes of fainting. But fainting is just a short-term temporary loss of consciousness Whereas um, getting knocked out, um, that's uh, a bit longer, and so your brain actually shuts down there um, and takes a little bit longer to start up again. Um,
1: really? Like an old computer?
0: Yeah, that's, that's basically it. <laughs> wow.
1: I mean, and,
0: and that's basically why when you, you know, you're getting your, your boxing and, and, and that sort of thing, you're getting knocked about. You know, If you took an, uh, an old computer and dropped it, it'll probably shut itself down. It'll probably freeze and go, I can't handle this. You're disrupting its processes because there are physical things going on inside a computer which are those processes. And that's the same thing that's happening in our brain. It's being disrupted in its processes. Um, and so that's why... So your brain is
1: essentially it. turning itself off and on again to fix itself.
0: Yep, <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's it. And um, one of the, the things that I really think is interesting about it is uh, when you're boxing, um, they, the guys who box know where the knockout punches are. And one of the big spots is the jaw. Really? Yeah, and the reason being that the jaw can get so much leverage for your skull sitting on your neck that it can make the brain move as much as possible. Oh, gross. I know. So if you're getting punched on the top of the head, not that likely to get knocked out because there's not that much movement there of the head and the brain. It'll hurt still. I'm not going to deny that.
2: So basically, when you punch somebody in the jaw, you're able to shake the brain more inside the skull. That's right. That's right. Moving about more, shaking
0: about more. And, uh, yeah, changing what's going on.
2: Let's not try it. Let's not test
0: that theory. We did experiments last time we were on. We're not going to do any experiments today. I know, Brod, you brought your
1: boxing gloves in, but it's not going to (laughs) happen. I'm not into that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. As in getting punched. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. That's a fair Not job. even
1: for science. Not even for science. <laughs> I'm still recovering from when we put our hands in ice.
0: I know. That was that was pretty hard work, hey?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But um, no, nah, we'll, we'll survive. We'll, we'll, we won't do any punching today, and it'll be Okay. <laughs> oh uh, dear all right well the time is eleven twenty-four right here on fuzzy logic and uh you're listening to broderick phoebe and elise in the studio we're talking consciousness today and i want to delve deeper but
1: uh is this gonna delve into goldfish territory it,
0: it might okay. so all right so to get people Bracing ready myself. before we uh before we delve into goldfish territory i thought we might have a little brain break we'll have some music And that was Daft Punk there with Beyond, an appropriately uh, smooth, interesting song to help us flow (laughs) into the uh, world of consciousness. That's what we've been talking about today on Fuzzy Logic. Broderick here with Phoebe and Elise in the studio. And it's been looking at... What is consciousness? And we were starting off before the song, getting into the the very uh, physical definitions and and how we lose consciousness through fainting and being knocked out. Uh, and in fact, there's a there's a paramedic scale for this. If you're tuning in, a couple of weeks ago we had Liam on the paramedic, and Phoebe, you were talking to Liam about uh, different uh, levels of consciousness.
1: Mm, so one of the main scales that they use when they go to a patient to determine sort of what to do next is called the Glasgow Coma Scale or GCS. And it ranges from 3 to 15, and there's there's three categories that they determine. So one is uh, your eyes, what they're doing. Two is uh, how you're speaking, you know, your verbal ability. And three are your motor skills. So you get scored in those three categories. So obviously it starts at 3. So if you scored one point in each section, that's why it starts at 3. right? Uh, and to go from there, that's sort of how they work out what needs to happen next, where the trouble areas might be, you know, if you're... If you're looking, if your eyes are darting around madly, but you're not sort of saying anything or something like that, you know, that might lead to yeah. something else. So at the moment, we're all at 15 because we're, we're sitting up, we're moving around. Well, we're not moving around too much, too much. <laughs> 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 looking around, etc. So, yeah. I mean, I think that's a scale they use uh, in not just paramedics, but all, all, all medicine
0: sort, yeah. sort
1: of stuff to work yeah. out where peeps are at
0: true and that, that's interesting because I was just doing my um, first aid course recently and um, oh aren't a, you good I, I know, I know, uh, one of the things they were um, highlighting is you know the first patient you deal with is the unconscious one um, because uh, people who are conscious you know they're a bit more with it, their brain's going they've got that happening, mm. the unconscious person they're the one that's in trouble uh, yeah which is, I suppose is why a consciousness scale like that is really important not only to, to assess the patient but to work out who's the most important person to be dealing yeah. with. You
1: know? So wait, so if you came across that scenario now, you'd be like, don't worry, guys, I did a radio show Shut on this. Time. I got this.
0: <laughs> there are three out of 15 I think we should go. Ahead <laughs> yeah.
1: Or at least I'll triple O, bam! <laughs> yeah.
0: But, I mean, of course, there's not just that uh, sort of consciousness, you know, that's kind of the alive or dead type consciousness.
1: Well, that and that's the very scientific approach to what to what is arguably quite, what is it? subjective no which is the right one
0: yeah yeah, yeah subjective yeah um point but uh, but yeah i mean there's other levels of consciousness too aren't there Elise?
2: yeah like you can have um what people call altered states of consciousness or Ooh. altered states of reality which you are still awake so you're not unconscious but you're kind of on i don't know i guess you could call it like a different plane or a different level of consciousness in your brain and these can kind of like these can obviously be induced by um psychedelic drugs like um lsd or um, dmt uh, which is dimethyl trypt- tryptamine yeah dmt is much of, cooler
0: sounding it is it, dmt well, that's right. <laughs> and it's actually it's really similar to some of the, the the chemicals that are in our brain in serotonin and melatonin um, which are chemicals that are used for regulation in our brain of um, how we're feeling and emotion yeah so if you can get that sort of thing in a drug that would be interesting.
1: What, to unregulate yeah. how it's feeling so it just goes off the scale? Is that what you mean? Yeah. yeah oh, wow. That's right. Yeah.
2: Well, interestingly, DMT is like one of the most psychedelic, the most highly psychoactive um, hallucinogenic drugs known. And interestingly enough, it actually does occur in really, really tiny amounts in the brain. But scientists don't actually know what it does. But we know that you can... It does occur in nature. And in the Amazon, um, so Amazonian tribes for thousands of years have actually been um, extracting DMT from plants in the jungle, um, boiling it together to um, bo- yeah boiling it to make a sort of a brew which contains a lot of this psychoactive compound, the DMT. And they actually drink this in a proper spiritual ceremony um, to well, essentially get high, um, but it's not treated just. For recreational purposes, obviously, mm. it's mostly used as a as a healing medicine, and it's used to reach this very crazy, reported crazy level of consciousness or altered state of reality. And basically, people report feeling um, an extreme sense of euphoria um, or deep understanding, and they suddenly believe that they receive um, this sort of knowledge about the universe. Everything just suddenly starts to make sense. And, um, so yeah, like I said, they, they use this as like, uh, they treat this as a medicine, even though it's not recognized in Western medicine. Um, yeah, they take this to, um, cleanse the mind or free the mind. Um, and even though it's not legal in Western countries like Australia, um, they do still use this um, in, in in the tribes in the Amazon today. Wow.
0: Um, yeah,
2: and it's actually gaining um, a lot of um, popularity in the West. People go to these DMT or ayahuasca, as it's called um, in the Amazon. They go to these camps or these um, retreats, and basically they'll just take ayahuasca, during the day, during the night, for maybe several days or several weeks. And they go there because they're actually trying to not reach some sort of enlightenment. And they're also using it to um, treat disorders like depression, anxiety, and post-traumatic stress disorder. Oh, wow. Yeah. um, There are heaps of podcasts, um, heaps of YouTube videos out there of people who've recorded their experiences in this weird state of consciousness. See, um, that's me. That just sounds...
1: It just sounds like if you were booking, you know, a three-week holiday or whatever to this place, you'd go there, do the thing, and be like, that was the shortest holiday
2: I ever had, because it was just this
1: altered (laughs) state of consciousness that's...
2: Um, so apparently, um, it lasts for, it can last from about three to four hours, depending on the strength of it, but because they're brewing it from a plant, you're never going to get, you're Mm. never going to know the exact Mm. concentration you're getting. Um, but even though it only lasts a few hours or even under an hour in some people, um, people who, um, are in this state of consciousness on this drug, um, report that they feel like they've been gone for days. So time has sort of loses any sort of, um, real sense as we know it which is really strange
0: yeah and that's i mean that's really looking at a very different definition of consciousness there, because it is an altered state of consciousness but it's an altered state of of awareness of the world around us and what's going on and how we exist in that um and i mean you could uh technically say that you know most drugs do that they alter our our body's responses to the world around us whether it's a slight numbing and lack of inhibition effect that we get from alcohol to to um, the the painkilling effects of um, morphine and those sorts of drugs, they could all be considered slightly altered states of consciousness. But when we have something that's so all-encompassing like DMT, uh, that really does change, yeah, what's going on in our bodies, which makes it quite different.
1: Mm. Yeah. So would you say there could be a difference... Cause it sounds like from DMT, are you losing self-awareness because you're just so engrossed in, I don't know, you're losing time. I I wouldn't imagine that you're so aware of, you know, accurately what's around you. I mean, sort of,
2: No, I don't know, what's the line? I don't know if you really lose self-awareness, but you definitely lose a sense of your environment and Mm. being able to respond to your environment, which is in the definition of consciousness. Um, a, a lot of people who are on it do have a do report still a strong sense of themselves like okay. a strong awareness of themselves like it's almost that it becomes about them and their then they um experience or relive memories of their childhood sort of almost i don't know maybe it's uncovering deep-seated issues of like un- uncovering the deepest parts of their psyche or their brain wow
0: Yeah, which is... uh, goldfish. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's a fair call. (laughs) But yeah, no, it's really interesting to look at that, you know, how we can access uh, different areas of our brain, so to speak, you know, to to really unlock uh, what's going on and and see that. I suppose a a different way of entering a a different state of consciousness would be uh, dreaming, too. Yes. um, Which is... uh, uh, I mean, there's different levels of dreaming, um, but uh, each of those is is kind of us being awake, but in very different ways.
2: Yeah. So um, like when you're sleeping, you're actually, well, most of dreaming when you're asleep is done in the REM cycle of the sleep. Mm. So that's called rapid eye movement, because in this part of your sleep, um, your body becomes paralyzed, your muscles become paralyzed, but your eyes are darting around, sort of making rapid eye movements, which is why they call it REM sleep. And this is the part of um, your sleeping cycle where you do have your most um, your most vivid dreams, and so even though you're not consciously aware, like of your surroundings, for example, um, the visual cortex and all of the processing parts of the brain um, are sh- showed in brain scans. Brain scans are still really highly active,
0: yeah. Which is which is bizarre because it's you know often something that we don't truly remember. We don't yeah. have any. Uh, uh, any effect we can't control what's going on um yet there's this i don't know at least you're saying earlier that you yeah. you can control your dreams yeah bit.
2: well look not just me there's this <laughs> is the whole there's a whole other type of dreaming a whole different level of consciousness like you're saying called lucid dreaming and that's when when you're in a state of sleep while you're dreaming you are aware of yourself and that you are dreaming and are able to kind of control the narrative the path of your dream. Kind of like choose your own adventure kind of thing. (laughs) That (laughs) rules. I don't think I've ever been able to do that. I've never, I've only ever done it about once or twice and I didn't mean to do it. I don't really know how it came about, but Hmm. I don't know if I was close to waking or not, but I was actually able to control my dream. I was aware that I was in that dream. Were you controlling
1: it for the better or were you just sort of like, oh, yeah, Let's just go to the shops?
2: <laughs> I think I I think I was definitely controlling it the way I wanted it to go. Like I was mm. creating my own reality in the dream. So yeah, that's called lucid dreaming, and it's like something that is like a phenomenon that's recorded, and it's quite known to be out there.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a few. I'm not gonna, we're not going to delve into it today as to how to make it happen, but there are a few uh, internet communities out there that discuss uh, ways to enhance the likelihood of lucid dreaming.
1: If it's DMT, um, I'm not
2: interested. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> no, no, no. It's just certain actions that you take around sleeping and that sort of thing. Um, but I mean, it's interesting because they've they've studied. Uh, uh, it quite a lot um uh, you know scientific researchers are interested in looking at it and what's going on um and one recent study they had asked people to report their last dream in in detail and a the thing they found between people who dreamt normally and people who had lucid dreaming was that people who had lucid dreaming were more uh, would articulate more the fact they knew they were in a dream Mm. Um and and uh It's very metal. Yeah, and and they had the ability to think logically um and could even access some of their real memories of their waking life in their in their lucid dream um which is yeah, really interesting. Um another interesting study that happened with lucid dreaming was um getting uh with researchers and dreamers and they came up with a code for the lucid dreamers to communicate with the researchers when they were lucid dreaming now of course in in that dream state your body is paralyzed apart from the the rem that you're talking about the rem the rapid eye movement so they came up with a code of two quick looks left two quick looks right two quick looks left again when they went into rem sleep
1: Wow. So, yeah. I so, thought you were going to say it would be goldfish in the dream. They're like, imagine goldfish.
0: <laughs> no, but well, how can you tell that they're dreaming about goldfish in the dream? Like, I do know, because yeah. their yeah.
1: eyes are sort of like going up and down in a sort of loopy path because like the fish fish they're watching the fish swim along. along.
0: <laughs> That's right. And so what they, they found, because they were then able to monitor that change because they were identifying that moment where the, the person went into a lucid dream, um, was they found that there were increased activity in the frontal areas of the brain. Now, interestingly, the frontal areas of our brain are associated with higher-order thinking, so things like logic and reasoning um, and voluntary behaviour. So, not the not the parts of our brain that look after that unconscious stuff, like breathing and coughing and sneezing and all those things that kind of just happen, but actually active thinking in in our front the front of our brain and it's it's amazing that this is happening you know um they also observe brain activity um of gamma waves uh which allow known to allow different aspects of our experience so things like perceptions emotions thoughts and memories uh binding together into consciousness these were active during that lucid dreaming stage
1: sounds Uh, exhausting do they wake up refreshed or just like (laughs)
0: I don't know. I I haven't actually read that. The interesting thing was a follow-up study that these researchers did. They did the reverse of rather than studying someone in lucid dreaming and seeing all the activity in that brain, they electrically stimulated those areas of the brain um, and that caused an increase in lucidity during dreaming.
2: Wow. Wow. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So wouldn't that be cool if if you could just... Put on a cap during the night and program, say, pre-program your dreams. Yeah, just when I get to this point in time, just boom, 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 and turn it into real.
1: <laughs> and then Ewan McGregor comes in and says, "I love you so much, Phoebe," and I'm like, "Yeah."
0: <laughs> That's exactly. I don't even to that depth. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's really interesting to be able to you know look at dreaming in that way and and the the amount of activity that can go on in our head when we're when we're asleep.
2: Yeah, it's pretty weird. And speaking of weirdness, and I am gonna go down the goldfish pathway. I'm ready, thank you for All having right. me. So I wanted to talk about something um, called post material science, which is a pretty trippy idea. And there are neurologists and scientists that do support this theory that somehow the consciousness is not generated in the brain, but somehow exists on some, I'll call it energy outside of ourselves and this kind of this way of thinking or this theory kind of supports people who've had out-of-body experiences while they've been in surgery or asleep or people who've had near-death experiences so after their heart has stopped beating they're technically or clinically dead they've been able to be been revived and come back and um, told tales or anecdotes of how they've been able to describe what was going on around them while they were being revived Whoa. In eerie accuracy and yeah. and detail. This so, it sounds
1: like one of those shows that would be running in the middle of the day like near death experiences. What did they see?
2: Yes. Yeah, but so, it's real? Yeah, well, a- apparently it's real. Whether this actually is proof that these people's um, stories are proof that there is a consciousness outside the brain or not is is not actually mm. shown. But there is a theory that does actually support what these people are reporting. Um, and a few years ago, there was a study done in the UK um, which did look at these near-death experiences. So over four years, they looked at about 2,000 patients who had, um, who had cardiac arrest and they were clinically dead. And of those people that were revived, it was only 300 of those patients or so, oh. about 40% of them did report um, having some sort of consciousness during up to about seven minutes um, after they had been declared dead. So some of these people, they didn't all just describe what was happening around them. Some of them um, experienced, um, you know, feelings of elation and like joy and happiness. Some people saw the classic, um, the white light, things like that. Um, But it's really interesting um, that. People could be able, who are clinically dead, their heart stopped beating, their, the brain is lacking oxygen and glucose, you know, there's no brain activity supposedly going on, but they're still able to recall events.
0: Yeah, which is interesting because generally the brain ceases functioning within 20 to 30 seconds yes. of the heart stopping and doesn't resume again until the heart's been restarted. Um, so that's why, uh, you know, when we giving first aid, you know, CPR is so important to keep that heart going, to keep our brain yeah, active, getting
2: that oxygen in there. But
0: yeah, it's, it's really interesting that you talk about that, uh, experience because it's, it's so hard to define what that is because is it an out of body experience that's happening or is it something that's happening all inside our own Head, yes, that's still active somehow in the brain. Um, and uh, you know, what's going on there? There was a, a, an interesting study done trying to identify um, genuine out of body experiences versus an out of body experience in your head. Mm-hmm. And the study was uh, took place in a similar hospital where there are a lot of patients who come in with cardiac issues. And the way they did it to work out whether the patients were really above their body because that's normally how it's described. Yes, but you're floating. floating above your body. Was they found cupboards in the rooms and they put symbols on top of the cupboards. Yeah. And so the only way that those symbols could oh, be seen wow. as if the feel. patient was floating above and could actually see those symbols on top of the wardrobe. Did, Did it work? Back? Did it work? No. Oh, uh,
2: but, uh, you kind of want it to be true, <laughs> don't you? Because yeah. yeah, it's yeah, so, you, so cool. You want
0: them to see it, and I think that's the hard thing. Is. Um, those people that report these, these, uh, out of body experiences are completely genuine. And I completely believe that they saw what they saw, but how it's happening is just so hard to work out. And it's so hard to, to plot too, because you can't predict that moment when someone is going to have that, that altered consciousness, that out of body experience.
2: That's true. And like, and because often in like, when you're unconscious time is a little bit warped or distorted so these people recording like you know who have these anecdotes of i saw this and this and this um it's kind of hard to determine well did you have this experience just you know just as your heart you know 30 seconds after the heart stopped and you just imagined that it went for that whole amount of time yeah so it is hard to actually pinpoint at what point they had this
0: that's right or or whether the that that minutes of consciousness comes the the second your heart starts beating again and your brain reactivates um, where that's all coming from and, and what's going on there. But surely
1: there'd be a, like a context influence. I mean, don't they say that people in comas and that sort of thing, maybe sometimes they can hear? There's some sort of yeah. argument about that sort of stuff. So, I mean, would that be similar if somebody was having cardiac arrest and was sort of rebooted essentially, that they could still hear sort of what's happening? So you'd know, oh, I'm in a hospital because I can hear... I don't know. Doctors That's
0: true. Maybe the machines audit- and yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, the, the difference there is we're talking about, um, so in heart attack patients, their heart may stop, which would then uh, typically stop brain activity. And that could actually stop brain activity for five minutes or so. You know, it depends on the situation. Obviously, you don't want any brain activity stopped. Whereas coma patients are still alive. Got yeah, a, got a but, you know, we were saying before, you know, that. when
1: did they have this vision? Was it was it when they were actually quote-unquote dead or was it when the heart was, you know, starting again and starting the brain again? Maybe that's mm. when they yeah. got there. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Or even it, it could maybe, like, these kinds of studies which show, oh, look, these people had these um, experiences throughout this amount of time. It might have been in real time, but this kind of study might shed some light onto what we consider clinically dead. It might not be what we previously thought. mmm. The brain parts of the brain, which may be electrodes on the outside of the skull can't really pick up, maybe those deeper parts of um, activity, which might still be happening. It might take some parts of the brain longer to die than others. Yeah. That's just my theory. Yeah, no, it sounds legitimate
0: to me. Interesting. I mean, the it's and it's interesting to also look at um, people who are in that. Um, coma state, uh to to study their brain patterns and see what's going on. Um and there was uh there's there's a couple of bits of research here that kind of tie in together. It was um so one bit of research was looking at how our brain restarts after anaesthetic. Um and so when we get knocked out with anesthetic and and um lose consciousness and then we come back to it, when we restart our brain doesn't just click back on there's more to it than that and in fact they kind of found that like a a computer it has a boot up sequence where um, different parts of the brain activate at different times different parts come together in in one location to reactivate Um, and this was a study that was all done through rats so there hasn't been any human research at this stage Um, but they they found that yeah within those rat minds when they were reawakening from anesthesia it was it was a whole boot up process Um, which is is really interesting um, to see those those actions kind of happening as our brain restarts. Um, I'm just seeing the, like, black screen with the DOS sort of words flicking up, sort of like, do
1: you want to restart in, you know, backup mode, click, 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 yes, sort of that process.
0: And and that's right. That's exactly what's (laughs) happening. Um, And so looking at those sorts of... um, uh, states and looking at how different areas of the brain react Um, in in a separate study they've they've looked at uh, coma patients, vegetative patients um, and compared um, the EEG scans which is electroencephalograph so basically electric brain scan um, and compared them to the scans of healthy adults and what they've found is that uh, there's interconnected networks in the brain that support awareness in our healthy brain so that consciousness, that awareness um and uh, they're usually impaired in those uh patients who are in a coma but not always wow yeah yeah so that's right so that means that um some of these uh patients who appear to be in a vegetative state have well-preserved consciousness networks that actually look similar to those of healthy adults um and so um it's a it's a really simple study to show that um, these patients actually have uh, some form of consciousness, which is a really important thing because mm. it helps to show that awareness in there that we often uh, are really unsure of in in coma patients.
1: Is that what is that locked in syndrome, or is that something a little bit
0: different? Uh, I don't know enough about locked-in syndrome because that's
1: that's where you're essentially paralysed, but you're still your brain's still on. Yeah. So uh, you can think about whatever you want. You are aware essentially, but you can't see, hear, smell. Yeah,
0: and can't I, do anything. I I you can
2: just think. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: that's right. Sounds and I think terrifying. I think locked-in syndrome would be a a uh, a version of right. this. Um, yeah. But these are yeah, looking at. Um, comatose patients in, in that vegetative state who just really aren't responding to anything mm. um, yeah can they can see these pathways in their brain um, which is a huge and to be able to do it with EEG was the big breakthrough with this study because um, previously they had to do huge expensive brain scans um, to be able to determine this um, to see what was going on.
1: Wow mm.
0: cool. So there you go yeah. Look, it's almost time to wrap up here on Fuzzy Logic, but before we do, we're going to have a little bit more music and uh, then we'll come back to finish off. That was Together in Electric Dreams, covered by Darren Hanlon there, and you're listening to Fuzzy Logic right here on Two 2XX Community Radio with Broderick, Phoebe and Elise in the studio. Today we've been talking about consciousness. And uh, we've been talking a lot about human consciousness, a little bit about animals, and we thought to finish we'd ask that quick question of artificial intelligence.
1: And not just that movie with Haley
0: Joel Osment. No, no, yeah. no, but genuine artificial intelligence. Do you so think it's going to happen, Elise?
2: I definitely think it's going to happen. I think we're going to be, in the not-too-distant future, creating technology, which basically is a consciousness, so it's responsive, it has almost, it's, its own sense of self, it can learn it has its own opinions things like that i think really? that, i think we're going to be creating something which is like human consciousness but better can you see
1: iRobot? It goes really badly.
2: <laughs> Have you seen the movie Her with Scarlett Johansson? Not her actual body, unfortunately. Yeah. Just her, um, just her voice. She plays an artificial, the voice of an artificial intelligent being.
0: It is, and it, but it always makes me wonder because whether they're genuine responses from the computer or whether it is just programming.
1: Yeah, because if it's been created, how do you
2: teach it? I mean, I guess you can teach something to learn, but I I don't know. I don't know. Well, I guess right now we can't really answer that question because probably the closest thing we have to that is Siri. And I don't know. We wouldn't really call her a consciousness. She's not very helpful at times. No. Then this is something we've just discovered, haven't we? Hold
0: on. Let's ask Siri the question. We've got a minute left. We can ask her if she... Hold on. Let's... Siri, are you a sentient being?
2: We were talking about you, not me.
0: Hmm... No, no, we were talking about you, Siri.
2: I'm Siri, here to help. <laughs> yes,
0: you are. She's yeah. shy. <laughs> look, she, she is a little She's bit shy. She's usually better than this. Yeah, no, I don't think you're going to be much use, Siri. Um, look, Siri, can you say uh, goodbye to everyone?
2: Who, me? <laughs> yes. Yes,
0: you. That's what I figured. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we're there with artificial intelligence. She's yet, pretty sassy, though. Uh, she is sassy. But uh, look, it is time to wrap up Fuzzy Logic. If Siri won't say goodbye, I'm going to have to. Um, thanks for joining me in the studio, Phoebe and Elise, for this amazing uh, little delve into our own consciousness to see where we're going. I hope you enjoyed it too, listeners. Uh, make sure you tune in next week for Fuzzy Logic, your science on a Sunday.